When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Friday, March 3rd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. It's a birthday edition of the uh, podcast today is Hoynesy uh, celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday. Uh, many more. And uh, looking forward to another year in the press box with you uh, at the, uh, the the ballpark. Uh, what's, what's it feel like to be a, 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 to have another trip around the sun here, Hoynesy? Joe, I'm getting older, man. <laughs> I never no. thought I'd live that. I never, I never thought I'd live this long. So uh, oh, come on, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful to be here. <laughs> well, we're thankful to have you. You're a Hall of Famer in everybody's book. So, uh, just uh, looking forward to to this season and and getting going. Uh, the the Guardians again were in uh, in action out in Arizona on. Uh, Thursday, they picked up another win in Cactus League play uh, against the Giants, a 4-3 victory. Game only took two hours and 13 minutes, Oinzy. This was, uh, these games are flying by, and I don't know if it's it's uh, the new pitch clock rules, uh, probably is, but uh, these, these, guys, these games seem to be moving at a brisk pace. Uh, 4-3, uh, Joe Naranjo with uh, a, a, an RBI, I believe, double in the uh, eighth inning uh, breaks a 3-3 tie. Uh, we got a couple of hits each for Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor with RBIs. And uh, Cal Quantrill went two innings, gave up one run, struck out three. Uh, looked like he's uh, progressing as he as he needs to. Uh, so all in all, uh, a pretty good day at the, the ballpark out there in Goodyear. Yeah, Joe, and I think, uh, you know, the pitch clocks is speeding things up, but I think so is the weather. It was only, what, 52 degrees out in Arizona? So, you know, that I don't think those guys want to stand around when it's that, when it's that chilly. So they're, they've got a, a little extra in their step there. Yeah, Tito said something about if it snows, at all, they're going to shut down all the schools in, uh, in Arizona because they don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, another another pretty solid game, uh, you know, uh, Lampy, uh, Joe Lampy, the center fielder, came in and, um, you know, he, uh, they didn't want to start Miles Straw because the field was wet from uh, the rain the night before. So, uh, you know, he came in and played center field again, uh, had a, in the uh, third, had a leadoff triple and came around and scored on Ramirez's two out single. So kind of a, you're, you're getting to see some interesting guys, Joe. I, you know, I really hadn't done too much homework on Lampy, but he looks like uh you know, he can play a little bit. 
Yeah, he he sort of fit uh, seamlessly in there when uh, when George Valera uh, went out of the game on Monday with a, a sore wrist. Uh, he stepped in, finished that at bat, uh, and then you know had a hit later in the game, uh, and and he's played you know here and there uh, in the in some big league exhibitions. So yeah, does he project as a as a as a you know an option here in the outfield? Probably not. He's probably just getting some some good work in uh, before the the minor league camp opens up, and he's got to go down there. But uh, I'll tell you, it's it's nice to see the. Um, you know that there's not just the the high prospects there at camp working out. It's it's some of these young guys uh, coming in and, and filling in and, and coming out of nowhere, really. Yeah, and then you know Mason Hickman, you know a draft pick from a couple years ago out of Vanderbilt, comes in and you know late in the game he throws a scoreless inning, three strikeouts. So well, you know even though you know they've they, a couple guys are banged up and and aren't able to pitch. You know, you keep seeing some uh, interesting, interesting players, both position-wise and and uh, pitching-wise. And we'll get to see uh, another interesting guy uh, later on today in uh, in Roman Quinn. We we've, we've talked about him uh, on the podcast before. Uh, you mentioned Miles Straw. Miles Straw getting his first start of spring training uh, today in center field. It was with the the rain and the the wet weather they had yesterday. Tito thought it was prudent to to keep him out one more day uh because of the wet track they didn't want to you know have any incidents with him slipping or 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 messing with that sore uh right knee but by all accounts he was running the bases and and went through all the drills and and is is going to be back so uh you know we talked uh earlier about how this is a a big spring training for miles straw to, to get himself right get himself heated up and ready for the start of the season so that you know, he he can he can hold on to that job that's that's his that that gold glove center field spot uh, and and really holding down the, the the bottom spot in the lineup as well. Yeah, you know, they, I think they need straw there. You know, he you know, he kind of brings that outfield together. He's got so much range going into the gaps. You know, I, I, they don't need it so much in, in left field because he quans there. But, you know, in, in, in right center field with with Oscar Gonzalez out there, he he's really a valuable uh, asset. So, you know, if like we said before, if if uh, if he can go come back to his, you know, major league norms around 240, 245, uh, you know, just to get on base because, you know, he he led the team in stolen bases last year, Joe. And if he gets on base, he's going to be a threat. And now even, you know, with the larger bases and the shorter distances between bags, he's going to be even more of a threat. But, you know, you can't steal first base. Yeah. And and we talked to him about uh, the, the the rules changes with the the fewer pickoffs and the the bigger bases and, and that kind of stuff at Guards Fest. And, and he looked forward to it. He's, he's excited about it because, you know, it does favor the the base runner and the base stealer there. Uh, they want to see more action. They want to see more more running and, and guys taking more chances. I think, uh, you know, if he's on base, he's going to be a threat to steal every time. So uh, that that really does, like you said, it, it lengthens the lineup. It gives it gives the guys at the top more options when he's on base. Uh, should be should be a lot of fun to see if if he can get himself right uh, at the right time. Uh, we, we you know we talked about uh, yesterday's lineup looking a little bit more like what Tito. Uh, probably projects to 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 put out on a regular basis uh, with you know uh, it had Quan Rosario Ramirez Bell 
uh, sort of at the top there. Uh, with uh, with Straw in the lineup today, he's going to bat leadoff and give Kwan a day off. But uh, the rest of that top of the order, uh, a Rosario Ramirez Bell is is in there again, playing on back to back days, sort of for the first time here uh, in spring training. That's that's like the next step in the progression for the veterans. Is you know you play on uh, you know every other day for the first couple of games, and then then you start playing back to backs, and then you start playing three in a row and and you, uh, you know, you get yourself in shape and, and ready to, to last a little deeper into games. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, that we're seeing that progression now, uh, you know, over the weekend, what they've got Milwaukee today, Oakland on Saturday, Arizona on Sunday. Um, and, you know, the one uh, another guy that I thought, you know, is, is on that same path, Joe, is is Josh Naylor had a couple hits. Uh, yesterday, uh, two uh, back-to-back doubles. Uh, he's starting to swing the bat pretty well. So, you know, you want to see him get off to a good start. And, you know, I was wondering, uh, you know, what the mix is going to be with, uh, with uh, you know, with uh, him and Bell at first base and DH, who's going to see the majority of time at, at each position. Uh, you know, Francona was asked that, you know, when I was out in spring training, and he wasn't ready to give an answer yet. But, uh, you know, that's going to be kind of I'm I'm anxious to see how that split goes. Yeah, not ready to give an answer. Maybe might indicate that he's already made a decision. And, uh, you, you know, uh, to me, it makes the most sense that if they're both healthy, uh, I still think uh, Josh Bell gets the majority of the innings there at, at first base and, and Naylor is your DH. But uh, again, you know, Josh uh, Josh Bell being a switch hitter uh, gives you more flexibility because if you put him at DH, then, uh, you know, you don't have to to worry about, you know, flip-flopping, uh, you know, righty-lefty, which I know, you know, matchups I know Tito likes to do. So, uh, yeah, I can – and if you have a third guy that can play, like Gabriel Arias can play at first base. So, uh, you know, in a, in a right-handed situation, you could do that. Uh, I don't know. I I I think they probably will feel more comfortable with Josh Bell over there uh, to start. But that's not to say that Josh Naylor, you know, doesn't make plays and, and can't make plays at first base. I, I, I can't wait to see a fully healthy Josh Naylor at first base to see what he can do physically over there. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, he, he looks he's moving around well. Uh, I think he's, you know, feeling better. You know, even uh, last year in spring training, you know, he was kind of limping a little bit. I haven't seen any of that. Didn't see any of that when I was out there. He looks like, uh, you know, he's he's you know he's another year removed from that surgery, and uh, that that can only help him. And we haven't seen him in right field yet. I'm I'm uh, I wonder if they're you know that experiment is still uh, you know kind of in the uh, on in on the on deck circle or not. But I would imagine we'll get to see him out there once or twice this spring. Well, the one thing we know is he's still not fast enough to steal bases because when he tried doing that, that was, you know, <laughs> a, a disaster. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a good question. They, they've said they wanted to try and get Gabriel Arias and uh, Tyler Freeman out there in the outfield playing some. Uh, if you're also trying to get innings for Josh Naylor out there, uh, and then you're also trying to, you know, make sure Oscar Gonzalez and and everybody else, uh, Stephen Kwan, Miles Straw, are all, you know, ready to go when when spring training ends. 
uh, you know, there's only so many innings to go around. You, it, I got to believe that getting Josh Naylor in the outfield is probably uh, under or ranks ranks below uh, getting Arias and Freeman some some opportunities out there. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I, I was just looking at the uh, spring training schedule and they've got a split squad game with Arizona and Seattle on the uh, 18th, March 18th. So maybe, you know, maybe we might see, you know, uh, some different uh, people out there. Maybe that would be an opportunity to give uh, Naylor a few innings in right field. The day after St. Patrick's Day, everybody's going to be hung over and you're going to make them <laughs> go out in the outfield. I, I don't know, man. That's that's a that's a big ask. Uh, Tito, Tito yeah. says it, it's a it's a. It's it's tough to ask them to do that. No, I I I joke. I don't. There's no way that they're they're hungover uh, after St. Patrick's Day. Uh, sports writers maybe, but not the uh, yeah, not yeah. the guys out there in the field. That's uh, that's a different story. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, you know Tito, um, we uh, we noticed yesterday and uh, pictures on social media and uh, our friends out there in the uh, at the the complex were were sharing photos of. Uh, the T-shirts that everybody in the clubhouse and everybody at the facility uh, were wearing yesterday had a photo of Tito uh, on them, and uh, the the slogan said uh, "American League's uh, most handsome manager," uh, and that is a reference to the uh, the poll that came out uh, back in January that ranked Tito uh, number two overall behind Buck Showalter. But uh, number one in the American League, most handsome manager. Uh, it wasn't uh, the Society for the Blind that was choosing this. Uh, it was an AI-generated uh, computer program, uh, and apparently Tito's the the most handsome guy. And and they wanted to make sure that uh, he and everybody knew about it by wearing those T-shirts. Yeah, I, I have a sneaking. Imp- I, I think I know who's behind that, Joe. I think uh, the, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff might might be behind that that uh, <laughs> that that hey. sneak attack a little right there. Antonetti will be the first to tell you that you know they knew that they they already know that they have the best manager in the American League. Now that they have the the the, the handsomest, they want to make sure that everybody knows that as well. Uh, Tito's done a, a heck of a job, you know, uh, since. Since what? Since 2013, uh, you know, only uh, the Yankees in the American League have more wins. And I think they have like eight more wins total. And they've spent uh, a billion dollars more in payroll uh, to get those eight wins uh, since uh, since Tito has has come along. So, uh, you know, he's doing something right here in Cleveland. Uh, Speaking of fashion, uh, another thing that was pointed out by uh, our friends over on the Browns beat. Uh, the NFL uh, Combine is going on right now in Indianapolis. Kevin Stefanski is out there, and Kevin Stefanski not shy about wearing a Guardian's cap uh, while he's sitting there observing some of the workouts at the NFL Training Combine, uh, or NFL Draft Combine. Um, uh, you know, nice to see the uh, the other guys, uh, the other coaches in the um, in, in Cleveland uh, supporting uh, the, the teams. You did a podcast recently with um, Mary Kay and Chris Fedor and uh, Dan Lobby and, and some of the guys uh, on our other beats uh, talking about, you know, which uh, which coach, which coach or manager in Cleveland is going to win uh, a championship first. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff in that mix, as well as Stefanski and, and Tito. Uh, what was what was sort of your argument uh, there uh, for or against uh, the Guardians? 
you know, I, I, you know, I thought uh, the Guardians have a great team, great or organization, but I thought uh, just because the NBA can is predicated maybe on on just adding one or two players, that the Cavs probably have the best chance to win a to win a championship. You know, before the other two teams. Uh, you know, but you know, there's no getting around that. I think Tito right now is probably the best manager, coach. You know, in Cleveland, I think uh, you know his record speaks for itself. Yeah, I, I think if you had to rank them, you know, one, two, and three. Uh, even though I, I absolutely tremendously respect what JB Bickerstaff has been able to do over there with the Cavs, uh, and you know, I I would give uh, you know Tito the top spot and Stefanski number two, uh, simply because Stefanski, uh, you know, was named Coach of the Year. He's got one of those awards under his belt, and that's the only reason I would put him ahead of uh, Bickerstaff. Uh, you know, based on what's happened in the last uh, you know two seasons, uh, you know he, the shine has definitely worn off of that uh, that trophy uh, from two years ago. So, uh, as far as I, I agree with you, you know ranking the three of them individually, but as far as their chances go. Uh, I, I still think the Guardians are, are building towards something and they could go on a, a get on a run if they get to the postseason. Anything can happen. Uh, the Cavaliers, I think if they get to the postseason, they're still you know, they still need a little experience before they can, um, you know, make that next step. I think nobody expects them to get to the finals this year, but I think maybe a, a first round uh, win in the playoffs would be about where people would expect them and then getting knocked out in the uh, the conference semifinals. Uh, with that, it's it's a bit of a longer progression. You even brought in a, uh, a Donovan Mitchell this year, uh, who's a, an, an Eastern Conference All-Star starter. And just look at the difference he's made and the, the type of player that he is. Uh, I think you, you might need one more Donovan Mitchell before this team is is can be expected to reach the finals and, and get a victory there. Yeah, that's uh, a good point, Joe, definitely. Uh, as as far as uh, you know, the future goes. I I, I want to take a, a second to, to mention who was was there at Guardians camp on uh, Thursday. Uh, familiar faces were there. A uh, couple of guys. Uh, Joe Smith, uh, former uh, relief pitcher uh, and uh, you know a really good guy. Everybody in uh, in, in camp uh, sort of likes and respects Joe Smith. Uh, now that he's uh, retired and stepped away from playing. Uh, looking to possibly get into coaching and, and looking for opportunities there. Uh, he went around and spent some time with the the Guardian staff there in, uh, in, in Goodyear on Thursday. Yeah, I guess he's shadowing the, uh, the front office for a while, for a few days. Uh, Joe Smith, like you said, uh, Joe, just uh, what I think he he was with Cleveland like two or three different times, mm -hmm. but just a, just a good guy, guy from Cincinnati, uh, you know, uh, an Ohio guy and, uh, you know, uh, submariner, he pitched forever. So, you know, smart guy, too. So I think, you know, if he if he wants to get into, uh, you know, the, the front office end of it or maybe, uh, you know, the field as a field guy, you know, he, he couldn't pick a better organization. Yeah. And if there are opportunities there, uh, I, I, I would hope that the Guardians could could maybe find something for him. Uh, if that's possible, but if not, maybe he hooks on with another team and, and works his way over here at some point. Uh, he, Tito only spoke uh, glowingly about him in his press conference yesterday. 
uh, and, and you know it gives you an indication of what they think of him as as far as that goes. But you know it's funny it's for for a guy like that you, you've got to pretty much make that transition maybe right away after your playing career is done because if you get too far separated from you know your playing days and and when you're trying to get into the the coaching game. Uh, there's there's a lot to catch up on and and the the way that this game progresses and moves you know just over the last decade or so uh you pretty much got to make that transition right away huh yeah that's a good point you know when listening to uh, Jason Kipnis on uh you know the radio broadcast yesterday with uh, Hammy and and Rosie you know he said kind of along the same line said if you want to stay in the game as soon you know the, the the closer you are you know to being an active player you know, it, it it helps you, you know, as a coach and, you know, as, as like you said, the analytics and, uh, you know, you, you still have that, uh, you know, connection with the game and, and you, 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 you know, the players, you know, the players you played against, they're still in the game. You can help that way. And uh, it, it's, uh, you know, and I never really thought about it that way until uh, uh, Kipnis said that. And, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and you look at the trends in 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 hiring for managers. Uh, you know, over the last several years, uh, they they've gone one of two ways. You, you hit the you're either hiring the grizzled old veteran on his third or fourth try with a you know a different club, uh, or you're getting a, a fresh out of the box guy who's who's never managed it at any level and 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 taking him, uh, you know, trying to to win with him and his understanding of analytics and and the way of doing things. So. Uh, yeah, there's there's different schools of thought, but I, I don't think Joe Smith is looking to jump right into managing right away. But getting his feet wet and you know starting at whatever uh, you know spot, you know maybe that's maybe there's an opportunity there for him. Uh, you mentioned Jason Kipnis and his uh, his opportunity. He was on the the broadcast there. Uh, what would you think about Jason Kipnis joining the booth and being a a regular on on uh, TV or radio broadcasts with? Uh, with any of the crews that the uh, the Guardians have, I think he'd be good at it. You know, I liked what he had to say yesterday. Uh, you know, it's, uh, a three man booth is kind of tough, but I think they could make it work. Uh, but uh, you know, he's still like he's still fresh off the field, uh, Joe. He knows what he's talking about. He knows the players. You know, he know he knows the games. You know, the game hasn't sped up on him or passed him by. And, you know, regardless. So I think he has a lot, he, he'd have a lot to offer uh, in, in that regard. And probably it could be, you know, who knows, you know, he could be a special assistant too, to, you know, like uh, Travis Fryman or Travis Hafner are to, uh, to uh, the Guardians. You know, you could always, you know, get in the role that way. But it sounds like he's a, he's a pretty busy guy with his restaurant business and uh, you know that that probably consumes a lot of his time, but it would certainly be interesting. It would be nice to have him drop in now and then on a on a radio or TV broadcast. Yeah, uh, one thing was abundantly clear in in his time that he was on the air with uh, Hammy and Rosie, and, and that was his, his affection for the city of Cleveland, for the fans in Cleveland. Uh, I think that'll always have a pl- place in his heart, and it, it really came through and came across in the broadcast uh that that he he feels that way and hopefully the other uh, fans still feel that way about him uh, yeah, I hey, think him too definitely yeah before we uh before we go we, we, you and i were talking before we started recording here uh about the situation with uh milwaukee coming to uh, uh um goodyear today and milwaukee's in a bit of a a, a weird situation with their uh 
their Cy Young pitcher Corbin Burns. Uh, he's a he's a guy who uh, has has is a proven winner. Is has been dominant in stretches in his career, uh, and he went to arbitration and. Uh, I, I believe the the Brewers won the the arbitration case, right? Um, right. And you know that that's not going to sit well with a player in the first place. Uh, they couldn't come to terms, and they were what seven hundred fifty thousand dollars apart, which is just crazy for a pitcher of his caliber that you you can't find an agreement uh, over seven hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. And then he comes out and says things like uh, during the arbitration process. Uh, he didn't appreciate the the fact that the Brewers were blaming him for not making the playoffs last year, which also sounds crazy. But uh, that's a, a a weird situation. Uh, if you're the Brewers, you certainly don't want to give up uh, on a, a Corbin Burns and, and 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 trade a guy like that. But you know they've got the 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 Cardinals and the uh, the Cubs are on a, a looking like they're going to be on an upswing this year. Uh, so the, it might be tough going in the central for them. Could you imagine a scenario where if Cleveland needs an arm at uh, at any time during the season and Corbin Burns is is out there on the block, that maybe the uh, the Guardians trade for a Corbin Burns? Well, that would be a great pickup, Joe. I mean, oh, uh, another power arm of cheese. Oh man, you know that that's. That's a move you make when you think you're going to win. Not only do you think you're going to win the division, but you're going to go deep into October. And, you know, Joe, arbitration is such a dangerous process. You know, think back to, you probably don't even remember this, in 1991 when Greg Swindell and Jerry Brown went to arbitration. Mm -hmm. Swindell won his arbitration case against the Indians, but he was so upset that uh you know with the what what the how the indians handled the case and just like you know this this case you know that you know they they you know they told him everything he didn't do instead of you know playing up what he did do you know he he was he was upset the whole time you know right. and it, that's when john hart and, and danny o'dowd decided you know we're, we aren't going to do this we're going to try to sign our our young players some multi-year deals so we can we can overcome get past uh, you know, arbitration and just, you know, keep everything one happy family. Yeah. And, and it worked. It, it, it definitely worked right after that. It, it, think about that. Greg Swindell being, you know, uh, grumpy about the arbitration process uh, sort of set up the next half decade, decade of, uh, you know, winning and success with locking up your core players and, uh, you know, obviously having Hall of Famers like Jim Tomey and, you know, Manny Ramirez and guys like that in the pipeline helped. But uh, I, I mean, look at look at what it spawned. It spawned the the winning decade in the 90s for this organization. Yeah. And, you know, everybody signed those multi-year deals. I mean, in the end, they weren't great deals for the players. But, you 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 know, you kept the clubhouse happy. You know, you, you, you spread your message. And it was a message that still kind of reverberates through baseball. You know, teams are still doing that. But other teams are taking, you know, if you if you file for arbitration, we're going to we're going to you know we're going to a hearing, and you know this is the consequence. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the player can handle it. Sometimes you know he gets his feathers ruffled. I can tell you one thing, Joe. Players are like elephants; they never forget. They were. If you criticize a player, it doesn't matter how many times you say you're the greatest guy in the world. They remember the they remember the negative. Well, and that's why Trevor Bauer likes to sit across the table in those in those situations and and hear every word that they're they're saying. So, 
Yeah, great. With a guy like that, you're a guy like Bauer. You're you're pretty much better off going to trial and just saying, "Hey, take it, you win," because anything I say negative about you is just going to come back and bite me. Uh, but hey, you mentioned the how all those players took the multi-year deals, and you know it might not have been great deals for them. Pretty much all of them eventually got paid. Uh, yeah. You know, you talk about uh, you know, Tommy Ramirez, Bell. Uh, all those guys went on, and when they left, they all signed big, good for the player. Right, you'll win right away, uh, and then maybe down the line, you you find your payday that way. Uh, if you're a, a guy like that, uh, this is great, uh, great to talk about uh, arbitration because really we got we're settling into that that sort of groove of spring training games where it's it's going to be a grind for the next couple of weeks getting through this. Uh, We'll have the WBC uh, beginning, start, starting to pick up next week. And, uh, you know, we'll have something to talk about there with uh, the developments in that and, and what the Guardians players are doing uh, overseas and, uh, you know, on the home front. Uh, luckily for uh, Team Canada, Cal Quantrill and, uh, and Bo Naylor, their games are, are going to be played close to locally for um, the uh, in, in the Phoenix area. So they won't have, you know, all that far to go. But, uh, you know, looking forward to next week, the WBC picking up uh, and the, the spring training games continuing to grind. Uh, Hoinsey, that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, go get some birthday cake uh, and some ice cream, and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you on Monday. All right, Joe. Thanks, man. 